What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. What a Super Bowl we had on our hands last night. We must congratulate the Los Angeles Rams for winning Super Bowl 56 against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was an absolutely fantastic game. It felt slow to start, then it picked up a bit, then it kind of slowed back. I don't know. It was a, The pace of the game was a little up and down, but... It was a fantastic game, and honestly, I had no rooting party. I know I picked the Rams to win 27-26 to on Friday's episode. That was episode number 129. But at the end of the day, I had to preface and emphasize that I just wanted a good game nonetheless. So what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 130 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast thank you so much for downloading listening and enjoying if you're listening on audio only platforms and if you're listening on youtube thank you so much for clicking on this video please smash the thumbs up button comment down below and please consider subscribing to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing yet but can we talk about that game this is literally all today's episode is going to be yeah i know the celtics are on an eight game winning streak I know Rob Manfred hasn't officially announced the uh, postponement of the regular oh excuse me the regular season. Bruins are kind of a little a uh, little bit up and down a little bit but you know what these are all topics we're going to get into on Friday's episode number 131 which is the last episode of season 1. Cuz today we have to talk about the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Monday. It is the day after the storm and we need to discuss everything about the game last night. Honestly, I thought the Rams were going to kind of uh, take advantage and just go once they went up 13-3 to on the Bengals. I really did. I thought it was going to be a blowout from there. I know there was the PAT, the snap. It just didn't really work for Johnny Hecker so that, you know, Bengals almost, you know, made a little razzle-dazzle and could have returned it for two points. That would have been something. But 13-3, I was sitting there thinking, like, the Rams are really going to just kind of run away with this? I know it's like, you know, second quarter. But still, Rams have that kind of offense that they could have turned it on. They have that kind of defense where they can shut the opposing defense down. And the Bengals buckled in. They scored a touchdown on their next drive. And they went into halftime. What was it? 13 to 10, and I really wish the Bengals, I know they were backed up at like their 10-yard line, like a minute 30, minute 40 to go in the half, and they just kind of, you know, for, for, for went the, the possession. 
and then they punted it away, and the Rams almost had a possession to be able to put up some points towards the end of the second quarter. So a missed opportunity there, I thought, for the Bengals. I wish they kind of pushed the tempo a little bit to try to get something instead of just doing, like, you know, full five yards here, a little five yards there, and methodically work up the field. And a surprising factor of this game for me, as I just kind of spitball and just vent my initial thoughts and reactions to the game to you guys, is the Rams' defense, the secondary aspect of it at least, uh, I don't want to say got exposed, but they weren't really able to slow down the Bengals' offense, like the passing attack. They weren't really able to do so. What really slowed the Bengals' offense down was the pass rush. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, like those guys just coming off the edge in the corners, being able to suffocate and swallow up the pocket. And the Bengals' offensive line did a really good job through uh, two and a half quarters maybe. And then it was like their second possession in the third all the way through the rest of the game. It was just sack, sack, sack. I think Burrow finished with seven, eight sacks on the game. So obviously going into the offseason for the Bengals' offensive line, is a major, major point of emphasis for them. Obviously, bringing in another uh, like top 10 corner. Well, I, mean, I don't want to say another because they don't have one. But bringing in a top 10 corner could really significantly help because the Rams were, I don't want to say having their way with the Bengals' defense, but they were able to do so much. They were able to do so much on offense when the Bengals were on defense when OBJ was healthy until he hurt his knee towards the end of the second quarter. And what a killer that was. But once OBJ came out of the game, the Bengals were able to just focus on Cooper Cup, be able to play single high safety, leave a linebacker in the middle, send in a blitz if they wanted to. So having OBJ on that team for the Rams was an absolutely immense weapon to have and such a luxury to have for not just Cooper Cup and opening him up but just for the offense in general because like I said once we saw that injury to OBJ the Rams kind of had a shift and pivot and allowed the Bengals to be a little bit more free with their defense alignment defensive scheme defensive play call etc etc but while OBJ was in there it was tough sledding for the Bengals. That's when the Rams went up 13-3. to But, wow, what a fantastic game. I am really, really pleased with the outcome of that game. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a great game start to finish. It was so relaxing and nice to not have a horse in this game. Like, in the past, Patriots have been in the Super Bowl, right? We're obviously, I'm assuming most of us are at least, that's listening to Murph's Boston Sports Talk, right? We're rooting for the Patriots. We're rooting for the Patriots. We want the Patriots to win. If they don't win, oh, it's the end of the world. Then Brady goes to Tampa Bay, and the Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl, and we're all rooting for Brady, right? But this year, I've, I've said this a thousand times here at the shop, on the podcast, I don't care who wins. It was just a fantastic game. To just be able to sit back and watch and enjoy football at its biggest stage. Yeah, it would have been cool to see the underdog Bengals to win. Yeah, it would have been awesome to see Joe Shiesty, you know, underdogs in almost every single game be able to come back and win. 
But it was awesome to see the veterans on the Rams. Matt Stafford, OBJ, Von Miller get another ring. Aaron Donald get a ring. Like, that's, like, incredibly meaningful. And I know the Bengals have a great, great team moving forward. Or projected to have a great team, right? And they're going to be in headlines this offseason. Will the Bengals be able to get back to the playoffs? Are the Bengals a fluke? Were the Bengals actually legit? Is Joe Burrow the quarterback of the future? Will we see the Bengals in the Super Bowl again after losing? Headline, headline, headline. And to kind of pivot to sports cards real quick, that's going to be really good for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow cards because their names are always going to be in the headlines. Free agency. Oh, what are the Bengals going to do to shore up the the offensive line for Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Here comes the draft. Are the Bengals going to add weapons or are they going to bolster their defense? Are they going to draft a lineman to help protect Joe Burrow? What's Joe Burrow going to look like in year three, in his second year with Jamar Chase on the Bengals? Will the Bengals be able to defend the AFC North title? Will the Bengals be able to make it to the Super Bowl again? Uh, Can the Bengals, you know, have that same magic from 2021 carry into the 2022 season? Like, so many different headlines and topics surrounding around the Bengals as we transition from the end of the 21 season from the Super Bowl and into the offseason. So many headlines. So Joe Burrow cards and Jamar Chase cards may take a dip a little bit because they did lose the big game. But I don't expect the dip to be crazy. I don't expect the dip to be hard. And I don't expect it to be dipped down for all too long. But if you look at the other side of things, if the Rams lost, I mean, I would like to think that, you know, with Stafford being older, I would see his rookie cards and his market tank a little bit. OBJ, I'd see his market tanking a little bit. I know Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, there's really no defensive card market. But there's, you know, fairly low already. And it would probably go even lower. But Cooper Cup, speaking of sports cards, let's kind of stay on this topic here. Cooper Cup winning Super Bowl MVP. Didn't have the flashiest numbers, but he had eight receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. And once OBJ got injured, the Bengals did slow him down a little bit, forcing Matthew Stafford to either attempt to hand the ball off to Cam Akers, who did 13 for 21, or find other passing options. But come that fourth quarter when the Bengals, I'm sorry, when the Rams need to get the touchdown, that last drive of the game, for them at least, it was Stafford and it was Cup. And could you have given the MVP to Stafford? 26 for 40, 283, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Sure, but let's let's picture it this way. Say Odell didn't go get injured. Say Cooper Cup got injured instead. Who was going to be the driving force? Or who's going to be, who would have been more important to that offense? Odell Beckham Jr. or Cooper Cup? Now, together, they're both immensely important. As I already discussed, once Odell went down, all the attention went to Cup, and Cup was just about neutralized. But if Cooper Cup got injured and all the attention went to OBJ because he was the healthy player, would OBJ have stepped up like Cooper Cup did? 
I would like to think so because that's the kind of player that OBJ is. That's the kind of player that we saw him with L.A. since he got there. But obviously, we're never going to know. So Cooper Cup, 8 for 92 and 2 touchdowns. I mean, without him, that offense throughout the entirety of the game was probably not going to go very, very far. So I think, you know, Cooper Cup, well-deserving of the MVP. Maybe if Stafford didn't throw two interceptions, he only threw one, I would probably say that Stafford should have won it. But, I mean, did they win the Super Bowl because of Stafford or did they win it because of Cup? Obviously, they kind of go hand-in-hand a little bit. And obviously, if you replace Stafford and you put in John Wolford, the backup, obviously Matthew Stafford is going to be very important. But I don't know. Like I said, we saw what the Bengals defense was able to do to Cooper Cup when OBJ went down. But in in the second half, Cooper Cup rose to the occasion and became that number one receiver that we know him to be, that triple crown winning wide receiver that we saw this year. I'm, I'm very excited for the outcome of that game. I'm really happy. Sorry, I just cracked my knuckles. I'm really happy that the Rams won. So many veterans deserved that ring. Like I said, Stafford, OBJ, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, Cooper Cup. He's a veteran, but he's not you know older veteran. It was really nice to see oh, Eric Weddle. I'm looking at the stats right here. Let's talk about Eric Weddle for a second, where this dude, Comes out of retirement. He's been retired since 2019. So he hasn't played football in two years. Comes out of retirement because they have a lack of depth at the secondary. <laughs> and he comes back. His first game is the wild card game. The 2021 playoff wild card round is his first game. And he just keeps playing and playing and playing. And next thing you know, he, he messes around and he's a Super Bowl champion. And I think he said before the game, like, oh, yeah, I'm done. You know, I'm retiring again. <laughs> Imagine that. Just coming out of retirement, play four, four games, and then just retire with a Super Bowl ring. What a life. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Oh, can I do that? Can I, like, hey, I'm coming back from, I guess I never really retired to begin with. Can I just, like, play four games, get a ring, and then just call it quits? Like, that would have been, been something funny. Now, we've been talking a lot about the Rams. Deservingly so, they won the Super Bowl. But let's talk about the Bengals. And I know I've kind of touched upon them just a tad. But let's talk about the Bengals real quick. Bengals offense was a little slow to start. I'll admit it. They were a little slow to start. And throughout the course of the game, they had some some moments where they were stagnant here, here and there. But overall, for a young team, Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Chris Evans, CJ Uzama, like for a fairly young team, I think they did very well. I think they did very, very well. And I know I've already talked about how they're going to be in off-season headlines throughout the course of, you know, the off-season, right? But like, where is this team going to turn for the 2022 season? Because they drafted T. Higgins two years ago in the first round, or the second, I think it was early second round. Yeah, because they took Burrow and then Higgins, the second pick in the first, first pick in the second round. Then they take Jamar Chase, so they took two wide receivers back-to-back years. They passed on Rashawn Slater for Jamar Chase, which I think was the right call. But in the entire playoffs, we saw 
how much of an issue that offensive line is. That offensive line needs to get fixed, needs to get worked on. And I think it will. I think it will. But, like, if you're the Bengals, do you believe, and I, I think they do, do you believe that Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Boyd, Higgins, Uzama, is that going to be good enough offensively to keep up with the Bills, to keep up with the Chiefs come next year? Because you have to assume that they're going to try to get better, whether it's bringing in another weapon or shoring up their offensive line or bringing in another tight end or whatever it may be. So you have to assume that those teams are going to get better as well. So can you kind of take a backseat on your offense, your offensive weapons, and focus on the other intangibles that you need moving forward, like offensive line, like defensive, you know, like a cornerback, like I kind of mentioned earlier. And if I'm the Bengals, I would say yes, but I wouldn't ignore being able to bring in maybe another running back to go along. I know you have Chris Chris Evans, who you just drafted. I know you just drafted, uh, I don't know his first name, but Sample, the tight end. You obviously have Uzama. You have P. Ryan. You have Tyler Boyd. So, you know, you have good depth there. But again, I mean, that, that, that moniker of they're just the Bengals is going to stick with them for a while until they can prove and give us some consistency. At the beginning of the year, no one expected the Bengals to – Win, to get into the playoffs, period, or at least win a round. So, can they keep up with the Chiefs of the world, the Bills of the world? Obviously, this past year they were able to. But can they do it moving forward? And I'd like to think that they can, but it can't be something that they ignore. Offensive line has to be the number one priority. You have to protect your franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. You have to protect him. You need to shore up the tackles. You have to shore up the you, the whole offensive line, I think, could get reworked. I mean, look at the Chiefs, what they did last year after they lost in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers. They figured out their offensive line, although it still sucked this year. But they made drastic changes. They got rid of guys. They brought in guys to shore it up. And on paper, it looked like a top-five O-line. Granted, it didn't work out towards, you know, the duration of the season, but they made the attempt to protect their franchise quarterback, and the Bengals need to do the same thing. They absolutely need to do the same thing. I think that has to take precedent over bringing in defensive help. Now, I've sat here, whether it's at the shop, with customers, or here on the podcast. I was like, I like their defense. I think it's a year too early, though. You can go back to almost any episode where I've talked about football, the Bengals, or anything. I think they're a year too early. And the fact that those veterans and those guys that they have on their team were able to get to the Super Bowl and basically be down to the final possession, the final minute of the game, get stops here, get turnovers there, really proves something. And overall, I like that, you know, that pass rush that they have. I think it's really good. The runs game for the defense of the Bengals is really good. They were really able to stop any running back that the Rams threw out at them. Let me just run run over that real quick. Akers, 13 for 21, like I already mentioned, 1.6 average. Daryl Henderson, 4 carries for 7 yards, 1.8 average. Cooper Cup on a jet sweep, 1 for 7. It's not really – I mean, it's more of a trick play, if anything. 
Uh, Matthew Stafford, three carries for six yards. And Sonny Michelle, two carries for two yards and a 1.0 average. So whenever the Bengals, I'm sorry, whenever the Rams attempted to run the ball, the Bengals swallowed up the run game very easily. Now, I know the Rams' offensive line is not the greatest either. It's not the best. But it is better than the Bengals, I'll say that. It is much better than the Bengals, actually. But again, you have to think to yourself, if you're the Bengals, can what we got from our defense this year, whether it's the regular season or the playoffs, can that carry over and continue at a high level in 2022 against other teams who are going to try to get better? I mean, the Ravens missed the playoffs, but they obviously have playoffs aspirations, and you're going to see them twice. Steelers made the playoffs. They're going to look completely different next year. So they might have a little grit to them. Who knows? The Browns, who knows? But you played those three teams twice a year. And all three of those teams going into 21 had playoff aspirations. And I would assume in 2022 they want to continue or at least get back into the playoffs like they were either this past season or the year before. That's six games right there against some really good teams. Let alone you're going to play a division in the NFC. I don't know what division. You're going to be playing a division in the AFC. I don't know what division. So you're going to be playing against a lot of good teams this year, especially with 17 games now in the regular season. I would like to think that the gritty veteran group of this team will be able to carry over. But you're going to have to consider age, speed, durability, stamina for all those older guys. Now the difference is for veterans and it is for rookies is the veterans they are smarter. They're wiser. They know how to take care of their bodies. They know how to play the game right. They know how to kind of cue in those film sessions or those walkthroughs in their mind and quickly process it in the heat of the moment on the game, pre-snap, during the play, whatever. Whereas rookies, you know, you may be able to get by with pure skill and pure talent for a season maybe, a couple games, a play, some plays. But it's that next year when teams start to figure them out or when Maybe the player gets too lenient because he knows how good he is. Rookies tend to not have the mental mindset or the intangibles mentally to be able to perform in addition to their skill set. That's why I and a lot of Patriot fans and obviously a lot of NFL analysts like Mac Jones a lot. He's a young kid, but he has a great mental presence for the game of football. He knows how to process things at the line of scrimmage. He knows how to process things in his mind during the play. He obviously puts in the work in the film session, in practice, and he's young. You get the best of both worlds there, but not all young rookies are like that. I mean, you can think of a, a handful at the top of your head. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Johnny Manziel. And will the Bengals be able to bring in guys, younger guys, to in addition to their veteran defensive core to help propel them during the 22 season to get back to the playoffs, and to have another run at the Super Bowl. I'd like to think so. I would like to think so. With the way that this team was built, young on offense, talented on offense, let the offense grow together, and then you bring in a great group of veteran defenders, bring in some rookies in addition to kind of help mold them as you look ahead to 22, 23, and so on for the Bengals. But both teams... Both teams have tons of questions to address. 
in the offseason despite being in the Super Bowl game, whether you're the Rams winning or the Bengals losing. A ton of questions moving forward. Quickly for the Rams. I guess I kind of already talked about the Bengals, but let's jump to the Rams again. You have no draft picks. Just about no draft picks as you invested it in Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Vaughn Miller. Which is fine. I mean, it proved to win. It proved to work. You won a Super Bowl. So we can't point and look at them and be like, see, that's why you shouldn't buy a Super Bowl. You shouldn't buy a win. They did. Granted, it wasn't in free agency, so it's not like they're literally buying it, but draft capital is currency in the NFL, and they still kind of bought one. But in all due respect, draft picks that they did have, they drafted Aaron Donald, they drafted Cooper Cup, they did draft Jared Goff, who got them to a Super Bowl, quote-unquote, and then they were able to flip him for Matthew Stafford. But Jared Goff, in his time with L.A., was serviceable. But, obviously, they knew they needed an upgrade, so they got went out and got Matthew Stafford. With the Rams winning, I know I'm kind of steering off a little bit here from what I originally wanted to talk about. With the Rams winning the Super Bowl, and spending all that draft capital. Let's see. They traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks before. They traded first-round picks for Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, a couple second-round picks for Von Miller. They traded a fifth and a seventh for Sony Michelle. With all that draft capital spent and used on players, is that potentially a mold moving forward for other teams because obviously draft picks are an essential component to a team whether it's currency to go out and make a trade whether it's currency to go out and build a team for the future or to help solidify your team for the now one way or the other it is a type of currency and one way or another it is a component to help build your team but with the Rams kind of saying, screw the draft picks. We're just going to go out and bring in the best players we can. Will other teams look at that and try it? Use this method and actually win a Super Bowl themselves? I would like to think that it may not, you know, a ton of teams may not do it right away, but I could see a team or two doing it. Obviously, we've seen teams go out and trade first-round uh, first draft picks for players. The Rams did it. They sent two of them out to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey. The Seattle Seahawks sent two of them out for um, Jamal Adams. The the um, There was another one, too. Oh, um, let's see. Oh, what's his name? Laramie Tunzel. The uh, Texans sent out a first-round draft pick for Laramie Tunzel. I don't know. I think it was like a first and a third or whatever. So we have seen first-round draft picks get moved for players. I mean, like I said, the Rams did it with Brandon Cooks. The Rams did it with uh, Matthew Stafford. And for the Rams, it worked. Will we see other teams kind of look at this and be like, hmm, we don't need all of these draft picks if we can get these players that are already proven. Like Jalen Ramsey, when he was traded to the Rams, he was still young. He was like 24, 25 or whatever. He was already the best corner in the league. So if you trade two first-round draft picks to the Jags or to whoever for Jalen Ramsey or whoever, 
and he's the best cornerback in the league, how good can those draft picks really turn out to be? Obviously, a first-round draft pick, you expect them to shatter expectations and to be the best player in the league. And sometimes it works. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. Look at Josh Allen. You get great players in the first round. Do not get me wrong. But if you can trade two of those draft picks for Jalen Ramsey, who's already proven, who is eager to win, and you expect those first-round draft picks, such as the Rams, to be you know, high 20s, low 30s, then what does it matter? Because that draft pick that the Rams traded, I don't know if the draft picks for, um, let's see, because uh, I don't know if the Rams first-round pick this year is the last first-round pick to be in Jacksonville or if this year is the first one to be in Detroit. Uh, Let's see. 2022 NFL mock draft. Let's just see where the mock draft is. Let's see. 32. Who's got 32? Who has 32? I'm just waiting for it to load. Detroit Lions. Okay, so the Detroit Lions. So it was the first year that Matthew Stafford, that Matthew Stafford trade, and the next year's first round pick, I do believe, will also be in Detroit. So when you're the Detroit Lions, you're making this trade. You don't care. You just want an extra first round pick. You'll, you'll give that up, sure, because you know you're rebuilding. Let's see. I just want to see what this mock draft has the Patriots, what they have them doing. Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. Yeah. Um, but when you're the, you're the Rams, right? You have Super Bowl aspirations, and you're thinking to yourself, we want our first-round draft pick to be in the upper 20s, low 30s, or 32 at the very best, right? That is where we want our draft pick to be. And if you do have a draft pick at that spot, how, how realistically can you help rebuild your team? Obviously, you can, you know, help improve your team at 32. I'm not saying you can't. But is 32 overall really going to be better than Jalen Ramsey or Matthew Stafford in this instance? No. So ship that pick out and get yourself a top three cornerback or get yourself a top five, top ten quarterback to help lead your team that's already very talented to the Super Bowl. And I think we'll see other teams do it. Teams I could see doing it are the Chiefs. I could see the Bills doing it. I could obviously, obviously it's going to depend on what Aaron Rodgers wants to do in Green Bay, but I could see the Packers doing it. If Tom Brady was staying in Tampa Bay this year, I could see the Buccaneers doing it. And obviously I think the Rams are going to continue to do it because there are question marks about that team moving forward. Is Aaron Donald going to retire? Obviously there's kind of some murmurs that he might after winning the Super Bowl last night. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a free agent. Where's he going to go? Obviously, he filled in immensely for Robert Woods once he tore his ACL. And it was Cooper Cup and OBJ. And OBJ's career was revitalized in L.A. with Matthew Stafford and being the number two to Cooper Cup. Where's he going to go next year? So the Rams are going to have a few holes to fill offensively and defensively as well. Could they use draft picks? Absolutely. 
could they just go out and buy these guys? Sure. Could they go out and trade for them? Wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they went out and traded for Von Miller when I don't think they really needed to, but they did. I do believe that this mold is now proven to work, albeit one time. But I think other teams who are right on the cusp of winning, who project their draft picks to be in the back of the draft, the back four picks of the draft, say, we're not going to get a better player at 29, 30, 31, 32 than we will right now if we just trade that pick away and bring in this guy. Obviously, it has to be like a preseason trade where uh, you don't really know where the first-round picks are going to be. You know, obviously, when the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford, they expected their first-round pick to be 32. When the Lions traded for that first-round pick, they may have expected it to be a very low draft pick where they expected theirs to be high, their own first-round pick to be high. So having the additional asset by giving away an aging quarterback that's not going to win anything with them, who's costing them a lot on the salary. Seems like an easy deal. If you're the Lions, right? You get an extra draft pick. You might be able to bundle that up and move up a little bit, maybe to like the early 20s. Or draft someone right there to kind of help you with that other earlier first-round draft pick. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do it if you're the team that's receiving the first-round draft pick, albeit being at the back end. But like I said, I could see the Chiefs. I could see the Bills. If Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, obviously they have a huge salary cap issue. So I don't even know if they could. The Seahawks have already kind of done it when they brought in Jamal Adams. Could we see a team like the Cardinals start to do it soon? Where they have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt's a free agent. Actually, did he sign a one-year or two-year deal? I forget. But they have some vet A.J. Green, obviously, James Conner. Like they have some veterans on their team. And they were very good in the regular season, but they just sizzled and burnt out. Obviously, like I mentioned, if Tom Brady was still with the Buccaneers, I would see the Buccaneers doing it. Bengals, I don't think they're a team to do that. I do not think the Bengals are a team to do that because they've already built a successful team from within. Drafting, Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Tyler Boyd. So they've already proven that they can do it that way. But that's offensively. What about defensively, where you now have the 31st pick in the draft? Could you go out there and try to package that and another first-round pick and try to bring in you know, a top-10 cornerback? Maybe. Maybe. That's definitely something that will probably be on their mind. But again, they cannot ignore offensive line either. An absolutely crazy Super Bowl we had last night. It was a great game. Back and forth. Wasn't a blowout. Both teams had the lead. Both teams were losing. Both teams thought they were going to win. Both teams thought they were going to lose. At the end of the day, the Los Angeles Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals of a score of 23-20 to in their home stadium, albeit it was technically a neutral site game. And the Rams were designated as the visitors. But it was still very nice to win it in your home stadium. Nonetheless, whether you're home or away, it does not matter. But what a fantastic game. And... We just had a great conversation for about 34 or so minutes about Super Bowl, about football, the Rams and the Bengals moving forward. And unfortunately, we do not have a football game until we reach August when we get to the preseason. That is a long time to wait. Very long time. But again, football is going to be in headlines the entire spring and in the entire summer. Because 
free agency is in March, the draft is in April, rookie camp is in May, OTAs is in June, training camps in July, preseasons in August, regular season in September. And if you want to look at it from a sports card perspective, obviously being a card shop, and I would assume a lot of you may be sport card investors, sport card collectors, you have Prism coming out in April. You have Optic, I believe, slated for May. I could be mistaken about that. But at that point, you're going to have some lower-end quality like a score, like a prestige, coming out with the 2022 class on it, or in the products, I should say. So football will always be in headlines. It will always be a topic of discussion, whether you're a sports card enthusiast or if you're just a football fan itself. Yeah, we have a long way to go until we get another football game that actually kind of means something in terms of the preseason. Albeit it doesn't, but still nice to watch. But football will not be going anywhere anytime soon. So again, congratulations to both teams for having a fantastic season. The Cinderella story Cincinnati Bengals do fall short, but a great season nonetheless and something for them to build off of going into 2022. Again, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams for winning Super Bowl 56 as they also had a fantastic season that they were able to cap off with a victory. But that is going to do it for episode number 130 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and you were able to kind of sit back and reflect on the Super Bowl, hear what I had to say about it, and kind of either agree or disagree. And whether you agree or disagree, reach out to me via social media or leave a comment down in the comment section below if you're listening to this episode on YouTube because I would love to engage in a conversation with you about your thoughts, your opinions, and your takeaways from Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the Bengals. Again, just a quick reminder that Friday, episode number 131, will be the last episode of Season 1 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. 131 episodes in, and it's been an absolute great journey. However, Season 1 will come to an end as MBST, Murph's Boston Sports Talk, will be on a slight pause until Season 2 kicks off April 1st, which is a Friday, where Episode 131, oh no, 32, oh my goodness, I'm getting my numbers mixed up, Episode number 132 will be released. But I don't want to get all emotional and all teary and all sad because there is still one more episode left. And that episode is going to serve as kind of a, I don't want to say a cliffhanger, but kind of a check-in for the Celtics, for the Bruins, for the Patriots, and baseball in general. Because obviously, individually, Red Sox news we don't have much of because the league is on pause. Maybe by then we'll have some more headway on baseball. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on Wednesday. Is that going to happen? I have no freaking idea. I would like to think so, but with two days away, I'm going to say no because I don't think the two sides are anywhere close. But we can discuss more about that on Friday. But I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, let me know. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please smash the thumbs up button. Comment down below. And if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing to the channel by hitting that giant red subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love of support. And if you're listening to audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening to your podcast, 
reach out to me via social media at Murph's Car Town as I would love to engage in a conversation about the Super Bowl with you on whatever platform you want to message me on or reach out to me at. But again, that's going to do it for episode number 130. I will catch you on Friday for Friday's episode. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you and I will always, always see you.